doing? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, a few show notes before we get started. Uh, as you know, first 20 minutes are always available for free. The rest of the episode will be available for a dollar on Patreon, patreon.com slash wordtetris. For the 3,000 episode, you get the full episode plus a bonus episode that will be recorded with our guest later today. And uh, you can always go to patreon.com slash wordtetris, as I said, wordtetris podcast at gmail.com and twitter.com slash word tetris pod you can find me at twitter.com slash merrill bar m-e-r-r-i-l-l-b-a-r and as i introduced our guest today duncan burnham is it burnham or burnham neither duncan what is birmingham it? birmingham like the city okay i fucked that up no, no, no problem <laughs> duncan Birmingham. where can people find you on twitter uh, you can find me at Duncan Berm if I haven't quit Twitter already, which I keep saying I'm going to, but I don't. So Duncan B I R M. You can't quit Twitter. You're Dave Anthony's mortal enemy. I don't <laughs> know how many mortal enemy tweets we trade back and forth. I think he has a lot of enemies. I think I'm pretty I, low on true, the list. I, I don't. I doubt I'd his, even make dog, his top 500. Your, your dog ate his salad. It puts you at the top of his shit list. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think he has a long shit list, and I feel bad about his salad. I did then, and I do still. Tell the people the behind-the-scenes story of the day that uh, Snacks ate his salad. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's that much more to tell Merrill than that, except for there was a salad left on a desk. He was probably in the bathroom, and uh, my dog's usually pretty well-behaved, and I bring him to the office at Marin sometimes, not every day. And uh, all of a sudden, he was on the desk in the salad. He had his face in the salad. And there was like this awful moment where the leaves were everywhere. And I think another writer came out of his office. There was a moment where I was wondering if I could maybe like kind of put the salad back together. And Dave walked in. And uh, I think this was a special salad. He'd gone in his car to buy somewhere. So it wasn't like I could just go get him another one. And then it was time to go in the room and write. And I think he kind of missed lunch. And... Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> Enemies it was from bad. that day forward. Duncan, you had to do something very interesting that I haven't had to uh, talk with anyone else yet about, which is when you, so you wrote the, you ended up developing Marin with Mark. Yes. And I haven't talked to anyone else that they had to do basically, but it's a biopic, but as it's happening and you had to take someone's life and put it on screen and that person was going to star in it and play themselves, sort of, or the version that we we believe them to exist. What was that like? And then, but more importantly, once you wrote the initial version, how many stages did it take to get to the point where it became the show that we know as Marin? Um, well, luckily for me, a lot of the heavy lifting was already done by the time I came into the process, just by the fact that... Mark has an interesting life. Mark has a lot of stories. Uh, Mark Marin knew he wanted to do a show based on his life. And you have this great hook of instead of him talking in front of a brick wall, it's like him doing the podcast instead of doing like, you know, having comedy stand up in the show, which had kind of been done a little bit to death from Seinfeld to Louis. I was just brought in as, as someone to kind of put the pieces together. And he had a few ideas uh, one idea was about how um, he had uh, he and his girlfriend had a fight, and this is a story I think he tells on the podcast, and he had taken her stuff, put it in garbage bags, and thrown it out on the front lawn, which I thought was really interesting because it's like something I would never think to do. There's a little bit of maybe wish fulfillment there to, <laughs> to act that in, impulsively. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, now that I'm remembering, I think... There was also uh, a certain amount of money that was put up to do the pilot presentation, and it was like, should we do a full 
pilot? Should we do some scenes? Um, since I was brought in, I really like the idea of trying to do a full story in chronological order. And from just being a big fan of his and knowing the podcast, I was like, well, God, if your dad could be a character and then there's a podcast guest and your girlfriend's a character, um, if we can just kind of jam that in all around one of your stories, that would seem to be the, the best way to go. So I did a, you know, worked with him to do a couple drafts, but really not many. He was uh, pretty happy right off the bat, maybe draft one or two. And uh, and then we shot it over two days, and then they used the pilot presentation to sell the show. I I didn't I was out of the loop. I didn't know if the show was going to sell or not. It was Mark and uh, producers going around shopping it and showing people the, the the pilot presentation, and then they sold it to IFC. And the rest is you know, TV history, really. Well, then my next question is, you know, you you go through the process of making this show, and you're and how many steps? From the time the first draft of any script was written, how many steps did it have to go through before it reached the place of it being shootable? Like, did Mark have to go read it and go, well, this isn't me. Like, this isn't who I am. Or did he was, – was he mostly separated from that process and worried about playing himself? What was the – what were the steps involved in getting a show like that to air? It just depends on how that first draft came in. Um, you know, some first drafts come in really close to what the episode that's going to be shot um, is, and everybody reads the draft, and is like, oh, this is great. And you hope that the showrunners, you hope that Mark feels the same way, and that uh, we just maybe do a, a pass um, in the room on it. And then other scripts come in, and they feel like they didn't really hit the mark, and maybe that's because the story that we broke in the room was kind of weak, or maybe the writer just kind of missed the mark, and... Uh, yeah, someone has usually takes a pass on that, or we work on that in the room. What kind of yeah, how does that pass usually go? Because I also haven't talked to anyone yet that's worked on a comedy. Mm -hmm. So, what's the process like for rewriting on a comedy versus rewriting on a drama? Um, that's a good question because I haven't worked on a drama. Um, and no, but every, but, but yeah. in the sense that you have to do the joke pass, basically. On a comedy, or do you not have a joke pass? Um, we have a joke pass. I think we just call it, you know, a a pass. Um, because there are other things to look at. Uh, you know, every show I've been on has been different. Um, the first time I went into writers' room, I thought it was going to be, you know, very different from what it was. So, you know, on Marin, um, it just depended. Usually, the showrunners. No, actually, usually, usually we would uh, all read it and then we would uh, kind of get in the room and talk about it. And obviously want to hear from Mark first since it's kind of loosely based on his life and he's got to read these lines and act it out, see what he thinks. Um, if he's not happy, then we kind of throw it up on the big board and all go through it together. If production started and people are busy, maybe one of the executive producers, you know, takes a pass at it. Maybe Mark takes a crack at it, but usually try and work on it together in the room and it's not just a joke pass, but like a logic pass, or maybe there's just a story's not working, all work together. On Blunt Talk, that was very different. Um, someone would write a script, Jonathan Ames would take the script and go off. He would almost, almost always do a pass on it, but then he'd bring the pass back to us, and we'd all read it and kind of give our thoughts on it, work on it in the room. He would take it off by himself. It was, it was a mix of kind of Jonathan working on it by himself and then all of us working on it in the room together. It sounds like on these two shows particularly, I don't I don't think a lot of other shows, not, not that's a lie, some other shows don't have this experience, but it sounds like you don't have the opportunity to take true ownership 
over the story. The, the it's it's in Marin's case, it's Mark's story, and at the end of the day, Mark is the arbiter of the quote unquote mythology. On Blunt Talk, it's Jonathan's. Jonathan's God. I would back it up a little bit and say just, uh, you know, kind of the beginning of the show, everyone decides, um, you know, what the tone of the show is and, and whose show it is and what you want to kind of achieve. So I think every writer has the chance to really turn in an awesome script. And that's the best way to not deal with rewrites, not deal with notes. If you turn in, you know, you turn in a great script, everyone's going to be happy and you're probably not going to end up sitting in the room going over it a million times. That's a hard to do to kind of thread that needle, but that's kind of your best chance to have the best ownership of it. But at the same time, it is, you know, a collaborative process. What is your rewriting process like? Do you slave over it? Do you try to do as much rewriting as you can in the outline? Like what is, do you just go with it and then break all the walls down on it after the fact? What's your process like? I'll just talk about what it is on my own because in the room's always different. I do a first draft. I've got two or three people who I like, who are smart. I'd say yeah, most of them are writers, not all of them. And I'll send the script to them. Won't really give them any information. Uh, I'll just ask them to read it and I'll get their thoughts and I'll get their notes. And I feel like if they like it, I'm kind of on the right path. Maybe I'll do a couple notes from what they say and then I'll send it to the agent. Um, if they hate it, then I feel like I have a lot more work to do and I kind of reread it and rethink it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I guess having a, having a little group of people whose tastes you trust, I think is really important. And so when you get all their notes back, even if the agent likes it, you're still going to go in and do more passes. Not necessarily. I mean, uh, the agents usually aren't really giving too many notes. Uh, by the time the agent gets it, it's pretty much where it's going to be. So then let's backtrack from the age then stick to your circle. Sure. You get notes back from your circle. Do you try to address every single one or are you just trying to take everyone into account and be like, I agree with that. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Why don't I agree with that? Like, is it that kind of process? Yeah, it's, it's a conversation. I'm not trying to address all their notes. I'm just trying to find out if they, something doesn't make sense. Why doesn't it make sense? Or if they hate a character in the script, why do they hate a character in the script? It's less about like trying to specifically address their notes and more just find out like, you know, if, if I don't agree with the note, I just want to find out why they gave it. Um, and I don't worry about like a checklist of like doing all their notes. I'm just trying to like get a sense of like if they didn't love the script, why didn't they love it? And is that something I can change? Or is, or is in some cases, you know, you write something and it's not for everybody. But usually since I have a good, you know, circle, their tastes are usually somewhat in line. So if, you know, they're really not liking it, it does give me pause to think about what I'm trying to do with the script. I'm going to ask you a weird question. Okay. But I want you to think about it. Oh, boy. What point in your earlier life did you learn about a process called rewriting? Because it's not a simple answer. I'm mm-hmm. beginning to discover it's when you're a young writer, you don't believe rewriting exists. You don't, it, it, the concept of it, of going back into a thing that you thought was awesome and then breaking it down and rebuilding it, which is what this job is. At the core of it, you spend most of your time doing those rewrites. 
uh, it's not all spent on that first draft. So what point did you learn about a process called rewriting and how did you take that? Like, would you, how did you go about learning what that process was? Um, that's a good question. I guess maybe it's a two part answer. I would say one, as a kid who was terrible in pretty much every class and subject besides English writing, maybe a little bit of history. I got the D's in even English (laughs) across the board. It was a very easy career path when it was like, well, how'd you become a writer? There really wasn't any other option. It was only, the only question was like, what type of writer? Newspapers or teaching? You know, I wasn't a kid who was like super confident turning in a story for my, whatever it was, fiction class or creative writing class. So I, you know, reread that story over and over and over and, and, you know, worked on it. Worked on it a lot because handing in something that's kind of personal, I, you know, I want it to be the best it can be. I'm already, I'm already embarrassed handing in the story to begin with. So I, I guess I feel like uh, so many of the best writers that I know, and if I have any skills as a writer, I think a lot of it comes from being a, a good reader. So I try and, you know, write a draft, turn my writer brain off and then read it as a reader and see if I enjoy it. And then, you know, in that way, I kind of go back and forth between reader and writer and do a bunch of drafts before I even show anyone and, and you know, call that the first draft. The first draft's really kind of like the gazillion's draft mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, as far as how I became where rewriting, I don't know, it must, it must have been, I think it was one of these creative writing classes in high school, you know, the red, the red ink on the uh, paper and then having the feeling of, okay, this note I agree with. And this note, I don't, but how can I articulate it to the teacher? Like, because I'm supposed to hand in another draft of this and I want to get a good grade, but I also want to like, you know, show them not a pushover and tell them why this is a good story. I was talking when I recorded with Sean Ryan, um, we talked about how when he he came off Nash Bridges as his first staff job. And I can't remember who was the showrunner of that show, but he would do all his notes in red pen and it made Sean feel like he was getting yelled at. (laughs) It it took him back to the grade school days. And so he decided when he took over, when he became showrunner of the shield and from there forth, his notes and uh, markups are always done in blue ink to make it feel to, so the writer doesn't feel like they're being yelled at. I I think that's a a good (laughs) idea. Yeah. I would not want a paper or a a script handed back in writing. That hasn't happened to me. Usually it's always a conversation. It's almost always a conversation actually on blunt talk, you know, Jonathan would rewrite some of these scripts without a conversation, but then you kind of go in the room and you get a chance then to rewrite his rewrite. Is rewriting a conversation to taste? Is it, what do you, when you're going through the rewrite on Marin, let's do, actually, let's do Blunt Talk, because Marin's a weird situation. Well, Blunt Talk was a weird situation, too. But bl- I'm still waiting to be on a show that's not a weird situation. <laughs> I, I don't think those exist. I think Blunt Talk weird. sounds like a more traditional room than Marin was, I think is my point. Would you agree? No. No, Marin is the more traditional room. I, I actually would, yeah. Okay, so then let's stick with Marin then. Who are you rewriting towards? Are you writing, are, not the writing, because the writing you're writing to the outline, but the rewriting. Are you writing towards the room, the show, or Mark? Who is the one that had to be happy enough to say, let's go shoot it? Um, Mark certainly has to be, you know, you're, I, I think Mark's the, the one you want to please the most in the room. And I think Mark also has the best idea of what the show is. And I felt like we always got along, so we had a good idea of like what the show is. We kind of had the same taste. Nobody wanted to do a straight comedy. It's also it's on IFC, so it's definitely not like a you know complete drama. Um, 
So definitely want to please Mark and, but not just writing for Mark. Cause you know, there are other characters in the show. Um, he hadn't written on a TV show before. So there's certainly, he'd be the first to say plenty of aspects of like plot and structure and season arc stuff that, you know, he, uh, you look to the showrunners to be more savvy on. So there's kind of this idea of writing towards the show, but yeah, the script's not going to go anywhere if Mark's like, what the fuck? I don't want to say this shit. So what the show is called Marin, so it's easy enough to say, you know, right towards the show. And, and what did it take? What did it take to please Mark? After a while, they were able to detect the pattern of like, okay, this makes Mark happy. Um, yes, I felt like I was very lucky in that when I, you know, I met him, I was already listening to the podcast. Um, it was the first podcast like I'd ever listened to, so. I was already a fan and kind of felt like I knew what his taste was. And I think it seemed like, you know, he wanted to make sure he was felt like the show had some heart, but wasn't soft and was, uh, you know, kind of edgy and, and interesting and, and uh, felt like it was about something. Um, it's hard to articulate, you know, what I thought it was more just I felt like, you know, he could have been one of those guys. Like Mark could be one of my two or three guys that I would hand a script to now, like one of my own things and be like, hey, Mark, do you think, do you like this? And I would trust his taste because I feel like we kind of had the same taste. I mean, Mark's not going to read one of my scripts right now, but I'm just saying, <laughs> it's like he was. I felt you like, cannot oh. ask Mark Marin like, for favors. We, we, I was like, oh, we have the same, we like the same movies, like the same music. So I, I, if, it just felt like it, he was in that, you know. I, He's I the girl like in safe. high school you pine over that you'll never have. <laughs> what? I, girl, I don't, I don't know where you, I don't know where that analogy came from. Um, sure. So you had, so, so Mark's the one you have to please to move the, the most to move most, the script yeah. forward. Not, not the only but one. I mean, uh, you had to please Sievert. Like you had to please Michael and uh, Michael and Sievert have to like it, right? Um, I would say, yeah, Michael and Seward, if they had an issue, it usually might be about kind of the, the structure. Um, uh, but, you know, they're looking to Mark, too. It's you know, kind of like get the get the nod from Mark. Oh, that, OK, that's good. Oh, Michael and Seward are happy. OK. If, if, I mean, if those if those three are happy, then you're you're moving on very quickly. And, uh, you know, f uh, Fox TV Studios was I wouldn't say hands off, but they were you know, they're pretty freeing. It's great to be doing a show. You have a lot of freedom doing a show about based loosely on someone's life because they're like, oh, this one happened or oh, I don't like this or oh, this is, character's not sympathetic. Then Mark just gets on the speakerphone. It's like, hey, this happened to me or what are you talking about? I love, this is great. This is my favorite part. And, and you know, people back off quickly. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like I would back off to Mark Marin just quickly in general. Like, I really wouldn't want to cross that guy. Um, was was Marin your first room? Marin was... Pretty much my first room. I when I first moved here, I was a writer's assistant on everyone's favorite show, Showtime's Queer as Folk, um, and I did that for a season and a half. I wish I'd tried to write a script for those guys. I really wanted to work in in movies. So once I found an agent, I uh, and started getting some meetings. I left there, and then I worked in movies for five years. Get frustrated and moved to TV. <laughs> so run me through. So, so I'd been in a room before, but I hadn't been in a room before, like you know, as a writer. So let's talk about um, those five years. Let's talk about those, what were those five years. What were those five years like as far as... To hear the rest of this episode, head on over to patreon.com slash wordtetris.